So excited about this new series today. We're in a new season, new season. We're, we're in our uh, new season called Moving Forward. And um, as we gear up for the end of the year, we want to finish the year off strong. And I want to tell you real quick about uh, two more uh, partnerships that we're we're um, we're involved in the, in this season. Linkages to learning. We're partnering with them uh, over the weekend, as a matter of fact. And um, what they do is they get resources to students and families across the city. And um, as a church, uh, this Thanksgiving, we're going to be feeding over 40 families um, between two, two middle schools and uh, for Thanksgiving. Come on, let's celebrate that. And um, it's just a privilege that the church get, gets to play that part. And, and also we're preparing uh, this Christmas for Adopt a Family. Uh, last year, I think we, we adopted 20 families and that equaled up to almost 80 people. And so our goal this year is um, we want to adopt 50 families and we want to uh, impact over 150 people for Christmas. And so we're looking forward to that opportunity. And uh, so it's just going to be great, great holiday season. Uh, this is typically the season where we want to give above and beyond. And so I just encourage you to enter into that. But um, man, I'm so excited about about the, the series that we're in as we prepare uh, to to uh, participate in our annual offering on December the twelfth. So let's let's go ahead and let's get started. Let's get into the Word of God. Y'all ready for the Word? Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Um, opening thought. If you're taking notes, we are a note taking church. Um, but I was thinking this this week about this message, and um, it dawned on me that as you study and you read through the Bible, that all biblical all um, Bible greats um, moved forward. All Bible greats moved forward in their lives. And there's a whole chapter devoted to the Bible greats. It's called the Hall of Faith. Someone say Hall of Faith. Hall of Faith. In that chapter there is Hebrews chapter 11. I encourage you, if, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, that's a pretty cool chapter to just read. It's a, it's a practical read. It's an encouraging read. But Hebrews 11 is, is an amazing read. And uh, they just all they, they, they moved forward. They moved into everything that God had for them. And, and the key to moving forward is this. And um, as I was studying, the Lord dropped this on my heart. He, he said, um, he said, the reason they moved forward is because they lived according to my principles. They lived according to my principles. They didn't live according to the world system, this dark and dying system. But they lived according to my principles, my my way. So let's go ahead and define principles or principle if you're taking notes. And what 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 is a biblical principle? Well, biblical principles are the ways that God, the, sorry, the ways of God that leads to prosperity. The ways of God applied in your life or through your life that lead to prosperity. And um, a lot of people don't like that word in church. But how many of you know that prosperity is a God word? And we've allowed it to become the devil word. And, um, you know, and, and I get it. Some, some preachers have abused this idea of prosperity. Or, and so now you got this, this phrase out there called the prosperity gospel, which simply means like if you give... If you give a dime, you'll get a million back or something. Or if you give God a dollar, you'll get a thousand back. But um, that's just unhealthy teaching. That's bad teaching. But um, prosperity is a God 
concept, God created the concept of prosperity. As a matter of fact, when he created the world and then he made Adam, Adam was created in prosperity. <laughs> he, had, he had no needs. Everything around him was perfect. And so God wants you to prosper. And God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. He wants you to prosper in your health. God wants you to prosper in your finances. God wants you to prosper in your relationships. Um, God wants you to prosper. Someone say prosperity. prosperity. It's, it's a God concept. It's a biblical concept. Now, here's the idea about, about prospering. So the word, when you see prosper in the Bible, it literally means in the Hebrew. Because this word, like I said, comes way back from Genesis in the Hebrew, the original language of, of Scripture. Um, the word prosper means to get behind someone and to, and to push or to nudge them at the small of their back. It literally means to move forward. It's, it's the idea of God behind you nudging you forward, moving you forward. And that, that's the thought of prosperity. So, so let's define it. To prosper means to, to push someone forward or to move forward or to advance. Right, right, right. And that's the plan of God for your life. It is for you to advance. Um, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't look the way you, you know, in a year, if you're following the Lord, if you're walking with God, your life should look a little bit different. Right. You, you, should, you should be a little bit more mature. You you should be thriving. Even, even if certain areas of your life aren't looking the way that you want them to look, you should be growing. And God should be nudging you forward. You should be prospering in your faith. And let, So here, here's the heart of God. Jeremiah 29, 11, your favorite verse in Scripture. He says this here, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper. Someone say prosper. Now who's saying this? God. God, right? He has plans to prosper you, to push you, to move you forward, right? And, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future. So the tagline for this series, Move You Forward, is as a church, as, as followers of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Christians. I pray you're encouraged, but I'm talking to believers. I'm reminding you of, 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 of your covenant promise of what God has for your life. So, so during this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to place our future in God's hand. We're going to place our future in God's hand. How are we going to do it? Through trust. Through trust. And it's going to culminate on December 12th yes. when we give our annual offering. Yes. Someone say principles. principles. Someone say principles. And so, and so, um, 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 so God says, I plan to give you a future. Right? So if you're taking notes, it's not going to come on the screen. But here's the idea. So, so God's part, here it is, write this down. God's part is to prosper me. My part is to live according to his principles. God's part is to prosper you. Your part is to live by his principles. It's already locked in. Right, right, right. Everything, Trevor. Everything. You remember what we talked about at breakfast a few years ago. And I said, why well, you don't got to get that up. You ain't got to get that up. That's his plan for you. Right. You don't got to give that up because he wants to do that in your life. He wants to give you that. But but we oftentimes we don't want to live according to his ways. And so we get upset, we get worse, and we get mad when, when God ain't blessing us. Well, really, God's just looking at the fact that you're not living according to the principles. 
It's okay. I feel great today. I'm, you know, loving my mustard shirt and all that. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm going to preach and go home and eat. I feel great. Y'all can get this. Y'all don't have to. All right. So I, I love, I love our, our father of the faith, a guy who lived some almost 4,000 years ago, Abram. And, and, and the Lord would go on to change his name from Abram to Abraham, which if you break down Abram, his, his name meant fa- father figure, yes. right? So someone who wasn't quite the father, but he was a father figure. He represented a father. Yeah. And, and after he did, did this principle, God would change his name. And we're going we're gonna to talk. We're going to get into it. Y'all hearts. I hope your heart's ready. We're, we're, in, that, we're in that season. You do know this. Okay. After he, after he did this principle, God changed his name to Abraham. He went from father figure to father of multiplication. Yeah. So we're going to so so Abram was called by God out of out of his homeland. Um, Abram's father was a, a manufacturer of, of idol statues. So he served, you know, the king of Babylon in that time. God said, leave your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. And, and God gave him some great promises. He said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to the world. Your family is going to be a blessing to the world. That was a messianic prophecy foretelling of how Christ was going to come through Abraham's um, loins and his lineages, lineage. And, um, and so Abraham has a lot of trials and he has a lot of triumphs. And he has a lot of struggles and he has a lot of victories. In uh, one particular case, uh, Abraham had taken his nephew Lot with him. God said, leave your family. But even the man of God, hard-headed, you know, he took his nephew. And his nephew never really did get down with his uncle like that because he was young and successful and he was prideful. And so one day, their, 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 their groups had to break up because Lot's group was huge and Abraham's group was huge. And Abram's like, you choose one side, we'll go to the other. And so the Bible says that Lot looked at the, the land of Zoar which was thriving and it was green and it was lush. And, and he said, if I go over there, I'll get a lot of followers. And if I go over there, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be cool and I'll have status. And, and it's just all laid out for me. I don't have to work for anything. If I go over there, I'll be popular. You know, if I go over there, I'll be, I'll, I'll be somebody because I'll be somebody in the eyes of the world. And I love how Abram had the faith to live according to God's principles. He said, you choose, I'll go, because God gave me a promise. So it doesn't really matter where I go. God's going to prosper me, and he's going to move me forward. So you choose. You choose, because I'm going to be blessed. And so Lot chose the plains of Zoar, and, 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 and Abraham got a desert. Abraham got dust. That's how faith is, right? Now today, that place is Israel, right, which the entire world is fighting for that land. But he saw it by faith. And so uh, uh, he moves and, and uh, Lot ends up in Sodom. Someone say Sodom. Sodom. And we know about Sodom. And we know what happened to Sodom. And historically it's been proven what happened to Sodom. But um, what happened in the season was Abram was watching what was going on over in Sodom. So he was a watcher. He was a leader. He, he, was, he was an alpha male. He was, he was that dude. You know what I mean? So he was keeping an eye on it. He was praying for Sodom. And there was this civil, civil war, five kings versus four kings, right? And, and, and so Lot is under these, uh, these uh, five kings. And then these four kings raise up across the way. And they attack the five kings. Those four kings overtake Sodom and take all the, all the people of Sodom captive into their city. And, and then so word gets to Abraham that 
um, this king has overtaken Sodom and Abraham gathers 318 trained men. And the Bible says that um, uh, hashtag highlight leadership. It's all about culture and all that stuff. You can train them up, raise them up, disciple them, raise in his household. I love it. The Bible says that by nighttime they went and they attacked King, I think his name is, we'll read his name in a minute. King K, it's a long name. They attacked him and they, they saved the citizens of Sodom. All right, so they saved him. And, and now um, they're meeting in the king's valley. So the king of Sodom and the king of Salem meet with Abraham. Now let's, let's go into the text, Genesis 14. Y'all okay? Yes. All right, it says this here, Genesis 14, 17. Here it is. After Abram returned from his victory over King K. And all his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, here it is, a priest of most high God, brought Abram some bread and wine. Someone say bread and wine. Bread and wine. wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. See, see, you, you think that you're the source of your success. And so Melchizedek just came to kind of set the record straight. God, God is defeating your enemies for you. All right. And so and then it says this. Then someone say then. Here's the principle that we're going to talk about for the next 25 minutes. Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth, someone say tenth, tenth. of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. I love Abram. Here's the man of God. Watch it. Watch it. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth. That I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. Mm. Today, we're going to talk about the principle of tithing. Got like three mm mm-hmms. It's that season, y'all. We're going to talk about the principle of tithing. And uh, here it is. If you're taking notes, tithe, write this down. Tithe means first tenth. The word tithe means first tenth of your income. And, um, and when you tithe, the, the idea is, is that you're bringing to God what belongs to him. You're bringing to God what belongs to him. And so here you have the king of Sodom. In the Hebrew, the word Sodom means burning. And the king of Salem, who just kind of comes out of nowhere, he's not even a part of the Civil War, but he comes, and we're going to share here in about two minutes why he comes and who we think he is. Because Abraham Abraham is the pioneer of all of our faiths, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, it all started with Abraham. But, 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 But the word Salem means peace. So Sodom means burning, Salem means peace. Now, King Bera is the king of Sodom, and his name means gift. And his kingship represents what you have to give to the world in order to be blessed by the worldly system. 
So give me my people. Because that's all the devil wants. The devil wants people. He doesn't, he doesn't need the resource. He wants people. That's why they got into that mess in the first place. That's why they had a weakened culture and a weakened society because of how the people lived. Right. So he said, give me my people. I want the people. I want I want them in bondage. You can have the stuff. Abram knows the kind of guy that this is. He knows the kind of system, the kind of culture that Bera is running. So Abram says, I'm going to give you everything because I don't want you to say that you made me rich. Right. I'm going to give you everything that belongs to you. But everything I recover, I'm going to give a tenth to Malchizedek. Now, the word Malchizedek means righteousness or justice. So he's the king of Salem and his name means righteousness or justice. Someone say justice. justice. Now, what did Jesus do for you on the cross? He justified you just as if you have not sinned. Right. So so we got we got a king named righteous and he is the king of Salem, which in the future will become Jerusalem. All right. So who is this Melchizedek? Who is he? Because he, he, he's coming out of nowhere. The father of our faith is honoring him, giving him a tenth. Who is this king? Because this is the thing. You never come into the presence of a king empty handed. You, you, you don't want to. We don't do that. That's not who we are as Christians. We always come ready, ready to give something. But Hebrews 7 explains Melchizedek. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit. Melchizedek. Hebrews 7 verse 1. Y'all Okay. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. So, so he was a king of Salem, but he was a priest. So let me teach you a little bit. So a priest, here it is, stands God the people. A priest stands between. That's right. Right? So a priest represents the people to God and represents God to the people. So he's, he's also standing in between as a mediator. And the Bible says, here it is, that there is one mediator, watch this, between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. So wait, who is this Melchizedek? Let's read a little bit. Come on, turn it off now. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. This tells us just so much, man. I don't even got time. This tells us another thing, that God always blesses us first. Oh, man, y'all ain't following me today. I'm going to go home. Y'all y'all here? Y'all here? That God blesses us first. Here it is. Let me, let me preach it. God wakes you up first. God gives you breath first. God puts clothes on your back first. God forgave your sin first. God provides for you first. God opened the door first. So he showed up with a blessing. The world shows up asking. Give me my people then. God says, no, I bless first. All right. I just need to get the record straight with God because I think we got God twisted. God's a good God. God's a faithful God. It says this here. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Here it is. There's no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Kind of weird. What happened to this virgin birth? 
Jesus just popping up. Because he God, just doing what God want to do. We always try to put God in a box. Right. Ain't you supposed to be like 2,000 years later? Who is this Melchizedek? Well, many theologians and historians believe that Melchizedek is pre-incarnate Christ. This is what, if you're taking notes, this is what you would call a Christophany. So this is Christ manifest in the flesh to bless, watch this, and to move the pioneer of our faith forward. Because at this point, no one knows who God is. And so if God is going to start something through somebody, he doesn't have a spiritual covering. Abraham doesn't have a pastor. He doesn't have a priest. This man is just kind of moving by faith, trusting God, living according to his principles. So I need to come down. I need to bless him, affirm him, and guide him. So we believe that this is Jesus Christ pre-birth. This is a Christophany. And this is the thing. Here it is. God blessed Abraham. Here it is. And in response to God blessing him, Abraham gave God a tenth. The principle of tithing. The ways of God that lead to prosperity. So we're going to talk about the principle of, of tithing. Here it is. Let's talk about the heart of tithing. All right, first thing, write this down. Tithing recognizes God as the source of all blessing and success. When we tithe, we're saying, God, you're the source of all of our blessing and all of our success. James 1.17 says this. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. It doesn't, it doesn't come from the hand of man. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Whatever is good, um, your spouse, your, your children, your job, your vehicle, um, um, the clothes on your back, your shelter, it all comes from God. So when we tithe, it's us saying, God, we recognize that you're the source of all of our blessing. That's what Abram was saying. He said, you're the source of my victory against, against these kings. You're, you're, you're the source of why we recover these people and why we save these lives. So I'm going to honor you with this tithe. Number two, tithing is the greatest expression of our trust in God. Tithing is the greatest expression of our trust in God. And we see this in the narrative too. I'm not going to keep one thing from the world. Because, because Abram was saying like, my trust is not in the economy. And if, if, if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us not to put our trust in man-made companies. And in, in man-made culture and man-made civilization. Because at the snap, at the drop of a dime, at one snap, all of it could be gone. We're laying you off. We're cutting your position. We're, we're, you're fired. Even though you're our best employee, you're done. You, you're not going to get paid this month. Like it taught us that this world system is fickle. So, so when you tithe, it's an expression that you trust. You trust God. It says this in Deuteronomy 14 when Moses came along and, and he kept this principle going. It says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. The reason you tithe is because you're saying, God, you're first. You're first. I love you. I trust you. You're faithful. And all you ask for is 10%. When all of it belongs to you. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. But it teaches us to put him first. Now, let, let, let's make a difference between faith and trust, right? Because a lot of people get that mixed up. Write this down. Faith, here it is. Faith is believing that God can. And, and that's what he asked for. He asked for faith. Believing God can. Trust is a different level. Here it is. Trust is knowing that God will. And that's what Abram had. He had a trust. I'm going to give you this tenth because I know you're going to continue to provide. I know you're going to show up. I know you're going to cause me to have victory because there are going to be bigger battles in my life. I know you're going to heal my family. I know it. This, I believe God can kind of, kind of uh, uh, exonerates us from really trusting him. Right? I believe he can. But deep down, you don't, you don't, you don't think he will. Right? Trust is saying, I believe he can and I know he will. So, so I, can, I can trust him with 10th. So I'm not going to put my trust in the economy. I'm not going to put my trust in this job. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put my trust in God, the maker of heaven and earth. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Like it all belongs to him. In Ezekiel, he says the souls of men belong to me. Your soul belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. So, so what, what, what can God not get you when you need it? God can, God, can, God can bless you. God can move you forward. God can prosper you. It all belongs to him. I know it all too well. I know too, too many people, they, they've been faithful, trusting God, having faith in God, serving God, serving God, serving God, serving God. Five, 10, 15, 20 years, and then just one day, it all, it all opens up. Because of that consistency, that faithfulness. So how to tithe? Y'all okay? All right, here it is. I want to encourage you. Make tithing a value. Make it a value. A value, if you're taking notes, is an inner belief that you live by. It's an inner belief that you live, that you live out. It's a value. Make it a value. You, you, you've made, the reason you're here is because you've made church, coming to church, a value. You've made reading your Bible a value. It's, it's something you believe, so you do. You've made community, holiday trips, whatever, a, it's a value. You've made work a value. Make, here it is. Make if you want to prosper in this life, if you want to be blessed, make tithing a value. It's something that you do. It was in Abram. It was in him. It was in him. And, 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 and so I remember we, we made this thing a value. PK and I have been, have been tithing for a while. And so um, I remember when we entered a heart season, family of four, newborn, six-year-old. Um, we had a car issue that was going to cost me almost $2,000. I was already almost 90 days behind on that car. One car, family of four, if you had Nemo, family of five. And um, we were always in the red. We lived in the red. Like, if, if it was negative five one day, the next day it was negative 125. And we're like, man, we forgot about that bill, right? And then it, negative 200, negative 300, negative 400. God, Lee. But she couldn't work because she was on bed rest. She had too much fluid carrying Judah. They, they, gave, they put her on bed rest three months into her pregnancy. And she was bringing in 80% of our income. I was, I was part-time staff at a church that was paying me $500 every other week. So we were bringing in $1,000 a month, family of four, and I was ministering to people. So I got negative 400 account 
But I'm the associate pastor at this campus. I'm over outreach. So I got the church credit card, but I'm filling, I'm filling my broke down car with groceries to take to families who can't, who can't eat at our campus when I can't feed my family. And so in that season, we were tempted because we've always increased our tithe, which is not tithe. You want to move into grace giving, which takes you into the offering zone. And all of you will by December the 12th. It's going to take you into the offering zone. So we were giving at 11%. We moved past the 10th and we were giving $55 back to God's house every time I got paid. And I was tempted. I'm like, I can feed my family with this. But it was a value. And you wouldn't allow us to to. Um, to usurp or to violate that value because you knew that God will ultimately turn things around. And so you got to make it a value. We were living with our mother-in-law, but you got to, I don't care how hard life gets. You got to tell God, I trust you. And you're, come on, you're still first. You got it. You got to, you got to tithe. You got to tithe. And now I don't even know what those days look like anymore. Praise the Lord. All right. Number two, here it is. How do I tithe? Tithe every time you get paid. We're just going to shoot straight. Yes. I had a meeting with my pastor yesterday. He injected me with some courage. Yes. Just shoot straight. People, people want it straight. Don't dance around it. Like, oh, you know, guys, if you would just tithe, we could, we could buy some more chairs in that back corner over there. No, no, we're going to shoot straight. Tithe every time you get paid. Here it is. Leviticus 27:30a says this. 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. So, so, so what is a harvest? A harvest is wages that you receive for the work you've done. Wages you receive for the work you've done. And what God is saying is that 10% of your paycheck belongs to God. And so we're going to get an email because you're going to want to start tithing. You're going to ask, is it the gross or the net? Well, the gross is yours. The gross is yours. You give your taxes to the government if you so choose. Hopefully you do. You don't want to be in trouble with the IRS. That's right. And you tithe from the gross. So, uh, so if you're paid 10000 every other week, 1000 belongs to God. And it's the first tenth. So if I had $10,000 in cash, the first 1000 off the top belongs to him. If you get paid 2000 200 belongs to God. The first tenth. It should be the first thing you do every time you get paid. Before you go to the outlets, before you go to the mall, before you go eat, it, when you wake up, on, however, when you wake up, you, you send it in. PK and I have tithed for 10 years and we've never regretted it. Number three, tithe to God through your local church. How do you tithe? You give to him through the local church. All right. Matthew 16, Jesus said these words. He says this here. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church. I'm going to build up your life. Um, So he's building it through two means. The Holy Spirit in us. Right. And so even today, let's pause and let's praise God. We have over 30 new superheroes on the team. Wow. Woo. 
And, and that's the Holy Spirit building his church. When, when you read the book of Acts, it's a numbers game. And they 120 to 3,000 to 5,000. And now it's, it's billions over the past 2,000 years, trillions maybe. We'll know when we get to heaven. But he builds it through the Holy Spirit and through us coming together to build community. But here it is. He also builds his church financially. So, so when you're born again in Christ, watch me now. You're born into the capital C church called out ones who gather in the name of Christ. And there are a lot of Christians all over the world. But you're called to be a participant of a local church. All right? And, and so, so as you're growing in your faith, if you're growing in your faith and you're serving and you're building relationships and you're encouraged and your life is being built up, wherever that's happening in your life, here it is, that's, that local church is where your tithe belongs. And if you're a guest here and you're, your home church is somewhere else, don't tithe here. Tithe there. Yes. Tithe there. That's where it belongs. It says this here in Hebrews 7, 8, NIV. In the one case, the tenth, someone say tenth, is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So in one case, when, when, you, when you put it in, in those buckets over there or, you know, however we collect it now, you're giving it to the ushers. You're giving it to the leaders. You're giving it to the pastors. Our job is to budget it. Our job is to make sure that the church is financially strong so that you when you come in here, you get all that you need. And if there's ever a need that comes to the church, we can shoot that back out to you. Right. So that we can serve our city so that we can be excellent, so that we can have food. You're giving it to man. But don't miss what the word of God is saying. When you give the tithe, what's really taking place in the supernatural is that you're making an exchange with God. And so you're giving to the church, but your tithe is accounted for in heaven. And there is an angel taking note of your giving. You you, you can read the story where Jesus was standing uh, at at the temple. Jesus, this ain't God, this ain't Moses, this, this is the son of God, God in the flesh, Jesus. Jesus was at the temple and he was watching the offering. Everyone that passed by. And, and on top of that, he was judging it. He said, now you know you could have gave more. And you know he was judging it because this woman with two copper coins, which in that time equaled one penny. He said, she gave her two copper coins. And he said, she's given more than all of you. Hashtag 2018, max, maximum capacity. She, she maxed out her capacity. Her trust in me was exhibited through the fact that she gave everything to me. Or, man, I, I'm thinking about stories like um, Mary. Mary, Lazarus, and Martha. How Mary gave Jesus perfume that was worth a year's wage. And so if you do minimum wage, that's about $26,000 at least. This perfume that she poured on the feet of Christ as she prepared him for his, his crucifixion and his burial cost at least $26,000. And in the disciples, Judas, especially the money bag man, was like, oh, she wasting that money. What's she doing? Because he was stealing from the Lord. Y'all know Judas. Y'all got to read Judas. Judas was a trip. 
She said, oh, don't, don't, don't let her do that, Lord. Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Because the context is that here at dinner, her brother is eating with us alive. When he was dead. So if God has made you alive, if God has blessed your life, if God has lifted you up out of the miry clay, if God has delivered you, if God has forgiven you, if God has set you free, there's nothing too expensive for God. Your offering can never, never max out. So the 10th is just the start. You, you want to get you want to be extravagant because he's been too good. He's been too faithful. What are the outcomes of tithing? Number one, and I'll just tell you, honestly, it, it, is, it varies. It's not just God will give you financially. But I, number one, out the gate, when you tithe, it's number one, peace with God. I've been walking with the Lord for 15 years, tithing consistently for 10 to 11. Those four or five years when I was inconsistent, I, I knew the Lord loved me. But I always, I always felt like, man, I left church and I ain't give. Like, I felt like I owed him something. But, but it was the Holy Spirit convicting me of my lack of trust. It's not a money issue, it's a trust issue. And some people will say, I can't afford to tithe. I've learned that you can't afford not to. Because of, because of, because of the peace that it gives. So when you tithe, you've expressed your trust. You've expressed your gratitude. You, you've expressed your dependence on him. And you feel great when you, when you know that you've honored God. Number two, it strengthens your local church. Yeah. It strengthens the church. Yeah. And so the story of the church starts in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit fell, the church was born. And what you get in the book of Acts is you get a church that is strong, thriving, Moving forward, the Bible says that the people would sell their possessions and bring all of it back to the apostles. And, 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 and everyone's needs were met. That's the picture of the local church. Satan loves a weak church. The devil loves a broke church who can't pay the bills, who, who can't impact the city, who can't help these women who are who are going through domestic violence and these babies who have to run and flee for shelter. The devil loves when the church can't get in on that because you can feed them physical food. But our job is, is to preach and to, and, to, and to pray so that they would come to know Christ and so that they would have a chance to make it to heaven. That's really what matters. But your tithe, when you give your tithe, it strengthens your church. Just to joke a little bit. We feed you a lot of pizza around here. That's that manna. But, but if you want the manna and the quality to improve, here it is. You tithe. Come on now. Well, we'll up it to Panera. We'll up it to. We'll call Chick-fil-A to open on Sunday if you. But your tithe. This is the idea. Your tithe. Your tithe. Your tithe. My tithe. Together. It causes us to be strong and to thrive. And yeah, the third thing is you experience an open heaven over your life. An open heaven. 
Malachi 3, one of the more famous verses on tithing. The prophet said this, verse 9. He said, God through him says, You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. The word curse there means limitation. You're limited. This is the words of God. He says this. This is what you do because he's a loving God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. So there will be encouragement in my temple, prayer in my temple, relationship in my temple so that the babies can hear the gospel in in my temple. So that there is physical food. When you can't pay your bills, the church has enough money to help you. So it's in the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Then he says this. He says, try it. Put me to the test. He says you're under a limitation, but God doesn't want you to be under limitation. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. God wants you to be under his provision, under his blessing, under his favor. God wants you to to move forward. And it's not just going to come back financially, but it comes back in so many different ways. But that's his heart for you. An open heaven. Let's put our hands together for the word of God today. Come on. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be blessed. I want you to be a tither. Commit to tithing. Let's pray.